2: with Zach Pearson,
0: Zach Pearson, and
2: Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears, Go Bears presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
3: And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast a special guest Ryan Telbit of Syracuse.com. He covers the Buffalo Bills. Does a great job covering them. And we're here to get some insight on a new Chicago Bears hire in Eric Washington as a defensive coordinator. First off, Ryan, thanks so much, man, for joining us and taking the time to uh, be with us tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it feels like the Bears keep poaching people from the Bills, <laughs> players and now coaches, too.
3: Yeah, no, no, it, it's an exciting hire here, um, you know, because of what we had to go through with the last defensive coordinator, that whole situation, um, and now they've made a hire, so I guess my first question is, just tell us about Eric Washington, w- what do you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was essentially Sean McDermott's right-hand man, especially after Leslie Frazier decided to step down and take a year off, and and it wasn't just last year, but last year he added the title assistant head coach, Uh, But Washington goes way back with McDermott. They were in Carolina together on the Panthers from 2011 to 2016. And and then he joined the Bills in 2020, and he's been here ever since. And, uh, you know, earned a lot of praise from this defensive line, the the players on this defensive line. This year, they had an outstanding season. But even uh, in, in some other years where maybe they didn't perform up to the standards that were the expectations you had just about every player on that D-line gushing about Eric Washington, his coaching, his technique, uh, the techniques that he taught the players. And, and you really did see that kind of payoff this season in the regular season. The only knock against him, and it's I don't know if it's really a fair knock, is Buffalo's underwhelming performance in the playoffs along the defensive line. And, you know, you, you go against some better offensive linemen and some game plans where the quarterbacks get the ball out very quickly. I don't know what Washington can necessarily do in those cases.
2: Oh, well, and you kind of talked about, you know, the the differences between obviously having Leslie Frazier there up until this last year. And then now, obviously, you know, with uh, Sean McDermott, uh, you know, there as well. So I, I'm just kind of curious from your perspective. Obviously, he wasn't a defensive quarter, but like you said, you know, he was he was a right hand man. What can you tell us about his overall defensive philosophy and, you know, what can Bears fans expect? Because, yes, he is going to be the defensive coordinator, but he will not be calling plays, at least from what we see.
1: Right. So, you know, what we saw in Buffalo here is they, they wanted their front four to be able to generate pressure on their own. They weren't a, a team that was ultra aggressive in terms of the blitzing. The one thing I will say about Sean McDermott is he does time his blitzes very well in terms of, Uh, diagnosing when is the best time to do that. So I don't think you'll necessarily get Washington coming into Chicago and trying to pitch this ultra-aggressive defense. They want to win up front with their own guys. And, listen, Chicago already has some talent there that they've acquired. They have some young – or they have just some overall solid pieces. I know they have a few free agents going into this year. But they can replenish that D-line, and I think that they could necessarily generate that – uh the pressure up front and then obviously there's a linebacker there that we all know very well in Buffalo and Tremaine Edmonds and you know he played his best football in in Buffalo when the D line in front of him was able to kind of take on their responsibilities and clean things up in front of him let him kind of uh be that freak athlete that he is and, and generate and use that athleticism to his advantage so I think you're just going to get someone that's going to come in here he's going to try to make sure that like I said you have the right pieces up front to win Because if you can generate the pressure up front, whether it's from the inside, the outside, or both, uh, that makes quarterbacks have to get the ball out a little bit faster. That allows your cornerbacks to be a little bit more uh, aggressive in terms of jumping routes. It allows your linebackers to play a little bit more freely, as we saw in Buffalo this past year and the last few years. So it all kind of works hand in hand. The old uh, generic saying, complementary football. If you can win up front, it's going to help on the back end, too.
3: Looking at Buffalo this year, and and correct me if I'm wrong, they lost a a chunk of starters on defense. Yeah. Um, And somehow I think their defense really was was pretty good up until, you know, I guess that last playoff game against the Chiefs, but that's a whole other story. Um, How were they able to like stay in it? I know they were under 500. On the defensive side, was it just scheme? Was it a little bit of what Washington was doing with pressures? Was it the talent behind the players that were hurt? What was kind of going on there?
1: Yeah, honestly, a combination of all three things that you mentioned. So early on in the season, uh, I would argue that maybe Buffalo was having the best linebacker play in the NFL, and it was a small sample size, but everyone knows Matt Milano is an absolute star at linebacker. He was coming off of an all-pro season, Pro Bowl season. Terrell Bernard, though, came out of nowhere. Second-year linebacker, uh, was injured late in training camp and, and missed some valuable reps, but he gets the other starting job, and he just comes on and just had a nose for the ball, always around it, making plays. They lose Milano. Uh, then there's some issues at linebacker for a few weeks. You talk up front; that London game was a disaster. They lost Milano in that game. They lost Quan Jones at defensive tackle. So, in, in the middle of the season, there were some down weeks. or some weeks where this defense was trying to figure it out. But then Sean McDermott, Eric Washington, and company—they they found ways to utilize talents that. Uh, maybe they weren't necessarily envisioning playing in every down or, uh, high snap percentage role. So a defensive tackle at Oliver had an unbelievable year, but next to him, you had Jordan Phillips at times you had Tim settle. Uh, they bring in Linval Joseph off the couch. They had Puna Ford, who was an active a lot, but played. So they were rotating pieces up front. They, Get their best season uh, uh, out of Tyrell, or Tyrell Dodson, excuse me, at linebacker, and then on the back end, early on in the season, the safeties were kind of looking their age, and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Uh, but it seemed like more like shaking the rust off because by mid they were back to form. They had a great, they have a great nickel cornerback in Taryn Johnson. They were, they acquire Russell Douglas, so you're right. By the end of the season, they were playing at a high level despite missing multiple players. And then, sure enough, week 18, and then that wildcard weekend game the Bills start dropping like flies again. I'm. Mean, they went through multiple linebackers. Obviously, Matt Milano never came back, but then you lost Terrell Bernard in in the Pittsburgh game. He wasn't able to play against the Chiefs, and honestly, that was the big difference maker there. They get A.J. Klein, who was scheduling a family vacation on an RV trip, and they call him back in and say, hey, do you think you can to play some meaningful football? And that's always worrisome when you're getting a 30-plus-year-old linebacker who... Uh, clearly was ready to kind of call it a career and you're bringing him in for valuable reps, bail inspector. They lose him to a back injury. Uh, They lost Klein temporarily. So, I mean, they were literally rolling out their last ditch efforts. It felt like at linebacker at times, they did get Dodson back for the uh, chiefs game, which was good. He had a shoulder injury, but even on the back end, in the secondary, they lost Taylor Rapp in the Miami game. He sealed the game with an interception, but he hurt himself on the play and, uh, they lost Rasul Douglas, their top cornerback. They lost Christian Benford, their number two. Injuries just plagued this team at the wrong time. And I really do think that, all things considered, Eric Washington, Sean McDermott, this defensive unit, Bobby Babbage, the new DC, uh, they deserve a lot of praise for the effort this team showed despite being down multiple starters and even backups. <laughs>
2: Well, and I was actually kind of curious too, because I mean, you just mentioned it. You know, uh, Bob Abbott is a new defensive coordinator now. Why do you think that Washington was was he in the running for that, or is that is this just kind of something that happened? I mean, obviously, there's always I don't know if I'd say politics, but there's always different things that go into you know hiring internally and stuff like that. So, do you have any insight on that?
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I do feel like Babich has been a rising star for this coaching staff. Uh, he worked with the safeties for a few years. He he kind of came in as an assistant. Then he was the safeties coach. Uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer both had earned first team honor or first or second team honors, excuse me, Pro Bowl nods. Then he moves to linebacker. He gets uh, the best season of Tremaine Edmonds' career out of him. He gets an all-pro season from Matt Milano. You see what he does with Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson. Uh, And this is a young guy, and I'm not necessarily sure that Sean McDermott is going to hand over the reins immediately in terms of the play calling, Uh, but I think the Bills kind of feel like Babbage was that next guy up in terms of that long-term plan of who you could have here for the foreseeable future. And, And Washington, was, I'm sure, was in the running because of his experience, because of, as I mentioned, all the time he spent with Sean McDermott. Uh, But Babbage was getting a lot of outside interest. The Dolphins, the Packers, the Giants all interviewed him for their D.C. uh, job. So I I also feel like Buffalo, part of it was we don't want to lose this young, uh, up-and-coming assistant coach that we think could be a star as our defensive coordinator here in the near future.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: When looking at the Bears defense, um, you know, Montez Sweat was a total difference maker for the Bears. In terms of Eric Washington, where he's worked on the defensive line and, you know, his associate head coach or assistant head coach, where would Montez Sweat rank among maybe players that he's been around and coached um, well in Buffalo?
1: That's a great question. I mean, uh You've you had Von Miller, who when he first came in his first season, pre-injury he was looking the part. He was around eight sacks. Um, when he when he suffered that injury on Thanksgiving, so he was up there. He was still playing at a high level. He had Leonard Floyd this year at ten and a half, but Sweat just for everything he brings. I mean, he's got to be near the top of the list, and 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 I'm really excited for Eric Washington to get Montez Sweat and. You know, looking at the Bears defensive line, I feel like you have at least one uh, d tackled one defensive end that were high up in the rotation that are free agents. So obviously they could always come back, but the Bills also have a lot of players that maybe Washington tries to recruit and bring over. Is that the next question? That's what I was actually going to ask you <laughs> after this question. Sure.
3: I'll get right into it. I mean, who would it, who would it be? Who should we keep our eye on? Because I know those relationships you know, with coaches are very important. and They do impact free agency to a degree.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, I, I mean, looking at who they have there, I mean, my top target off of Buffalo's free agents, it would be A.J. Appanessa, honestly. Okay. This is a player that had six and a half sacks the past two seasons, but he's really coming into his own knowing that if I can't get to the quarterback, I have to get my hands up on passes. He had two interceptions this year, one that went for a touchdown. I believe 10 passes defensed off the top of my head. And this is part of a rotation. So you get him out there for even a, a larger, more sizable role. And, and I think that he could thrive. If you're looking for short-term deals, you know, Leonard Floyd's uh someone that's very familiar, uh, or you guys are familiar with. So he yeah. comes in, he's still playing at a high level defensive tackle. Ed Oliver is the only D-tackle still under contract for the Bills going into this season. So I mean, wow. you name one, you you could have him. Daquan Jones is the top D tackle uh for Buffalo. I think he ends up coming back to the Bills. But you you still have Puna Ford. You still have Tim Settle. Uh, And and Ford didn't play a lot, but Washington spoke highly of him saying it's nothing that he's doing. He's doing a great job at practice. This is kind of a numbers game. It was injuries. It was a lot of things there. So there's a lot of defensive tackle. Jordan Phillips, if he comes back, he was kind of uh, contemplating retirement, but there's no shortage of players that uh, he could look to bring along with him. And Obviously, now as defensive coordinator, he doesn't have to stick to the D line either. There, there's players at all three levels that I think wouldn't mind reuniting with Washington.
2: Well, it makes complete sense, and it's funny because you you mentioned Ed Oliver, and that was somebody this last offseason season uh, that I know some. I, it was like a trade down scenario. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was act. I think it was after the Bears traded down to nine. That's what it was. They traded down to nine, or I think they were at, they were at nine, right, Zach? Now I'm now I'm confusing myself. Yeah. So they're at nine. And then I want to say it was like Robert Schmitz, who used to be with Windy City Gridiron. And now he's with uh, the Bears blog. And he mentioned something about how he would basically trade number nine overall for Ed Oliver in the Bills first round pick. And I remember a lot of Bills fans were like, what the hell is this guy talking about, man? Like they could have him. That's cool. And then all of a sudden they signed him to an extension. It seemed like he had a monster year. Uh, I'm just curious from your your overall take on you know Ed Oliver as a whole, and then two, how big of an impact did you know did Washington play in all this?
1: I think Washington played a very big role in Ed Oliver's development this season. He, and you're right, he had a career year. He signs this extension, and you know we've seen a lot of defensive tackles get paid and, and get paid very well. Ed Oliver was paid well, but it wasn't at that top top tier. It was kind of a we believe in you, we're going to pay you handsomely. Uh, but we're not going, we can't go top dollar with what some of these other guys across the league are getting. And I think Oliver kind of said, or felt maybe he hadn't lived up to the billing of when being at the ninth overall pick a few years back. But when he signed that contract, he said at the press conference, you know, my number one goal is to outplay this contract, make it look like it's a real steal for Buffalo and just one year in, but mission accomplished for 2023. uh, He was an absolute force, uh, career high in pressures, uh, generating pressures at a high clip even when he lost to Quan Jones, the playoff game against Pittsburgh. He finished with 10 pressures in that game alone. Uh, he really did struggle against Kansas City, but Kansas City, again, their interior. they have some pretty good players there, not to make excuses for them, but he had a, he had an outstanding season and I think that anytime a player has multiple seasons with the coach, you see their game evolve. You see their game improve. And, and, you know, to use a completely different example, there were some bills fans that were a little underwhelmed with Aaron Cromer last year in his first season back with the bills. And, you know, there was really the only player that he had uh, brought in was an aging veteran at guard that knew his system. And I said, you're not going to get the best results out of that until year two. And, you know, across the board, this O line had, it had its best season for Buffalo. So, the fact that Washington was with this unit since 2020, he's really been there for most of Ed Oliver's career. It helped Ed Oliver improve season over season. It helped a lot of these DNs improve season over season, and I think Washington deserves a lot of credit for it.
3: I got one that's a little Bills related, and uh, I want to preface it by saying, you know, I feel bad for you guys because it's like you had to go through the Tom Brady Buffalo had to go through the Tom Brady era, now it's the Patrick Mahomes yeah. era, and they just they can't get by him. How hot is the seat around uh, Sean McDermott going into this offseason?
1: You know, many weeks ago, midseason, I would have said it was extremely hot at that point. And I still thought he would have been OK going into the next season. But I would have said that it would be a, you'd have to make a deep run. I think his seat's pretty cool right now, and oh, well. you, you never want to make excuses, but I I truly feel like if Terrell Bernard played in that game for Buffalo and it wasn't A.J. Klein trying to chase Travis Kelsey, and yeah. uh, you had Rasul Douglas at 100%. He was out there, but you could tell he was hampered. He wasn't running well. You have those two players at 100% or close to 100%. It's a completely different ball game, and uh, a lot of what Mahomes and company did uh, I think would have stalled out. And then the other point to that, too, is, I mean, the Bills had the ball late in that game with a chance to go up. Uh, If Josh Allen isn't hit by Deion Dawkins and Chris Jones, he throws a touchdown to Khalil Shakir and they score 31 points against them. So the defense had started to settle in there at that point late in the game. They had given up a lot of points early, but it's just one of those things where you're right. It's really it feels like the defense has let them down time after time you go to 2021 20, Josh Allen leaves the field with a lead with 13 seconds left even before that he left with a lead with what a minute something left yep. in the game before their quick score so it's the offense is doing their part uh for as many quarterbacks that are struggling against this great Chiefs defense Josh Allen always shows up puts together a solid game plan so it, it is the defense that needs to step up and the challenge for them is going to be they have a lot of aging veterans And they have to get younger at a lot of key spots. Defensive tackle, safety comes to mind right off the top of my head. They're good at linebacker. Uh, I still think that they're solid at cornerback with Douglas Christian Benford. You can bring back Dane Jackson, relatively cheap. Kyrie Elam still on that rookie deal. But there's some pieces where the Bills need to mix and match some young guys in and play them. That's the one big knock on this team is unless they're forced to, they don't like to play their rookies a
4: lot.
2: Oh, it makes sense. I mean, especially for a contending team. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a lot harder. It's like we're, (laughs) we've seen the exact opposite. I mean, every rookie (laughs) on the roster is going to play at some point. You're probably going to see a lot of undrafted uh, rookies as well. So my last question for you, not really bears related, but it's always interesting to kind of see. So I'm, I'm sure, I mean, obviously we, we follow each other. I'm sure you've seen it talked about quite a bit. Um, what's your take on the, you know, what's your take on what the bears should do either draft Caleb Williams or Drake may at number one or keep adjusted fields?
1: Honestly, I like the development I've seen from Justin Fields, but, and I hate to do this because I would, I would keep Justin. I would, if I was the GM, I would probably keep Justin Fields and try to build around him. You also have to keep in mind the rookie contracts, the fact that Fields is going to be up for a a deal sooner rather than later. And it's kind of hard to, to figure out how much he should get paid. And can you trust him to continue his development? Because, you know, it was a bad contract the, t- the second it was signed. But you look at a Daniel Jones and the contract he signed with the Giants, and how that's pretty much kind of—I don't want to say it's crippled them, but it, it's really hurt them in terms of they should have given more money to Barkley, and that's one of the rare cases where you should have paid the running back. Um, but now you can kind of start fresh with a rookie, have them cost control contract. I think you can get a decent return for Justin Fields, and you know, I, I don't necessarily think that the Bears are going to. Make this 180 in 2024 and be this Super Bowl contender. But if you start over at quarterback and you hit on that quarterback position, you could be a lot closer than you think after Caleb Williams's or May's rookie season, and fit in a few other pieces here and there with some of the picks maybe you get from the Justin Fields trade, some of the picks that you already have, and be in a much much better spot uh, to to kind of turn things around quickly. So for that reason, I, I would go. Uh, away from justin fields but i do think he's a talented quarterback but while i have you guys i have one question for you yeah darnell Mm -hmm. mooney tell me a little bit about (laughs) him i feel like with the bills with the limited cap resources that they have he's an intriguing target yes uh, in in terms of you know what was he a thousand yard receiver not last year but two years ago two years
3: two years years ago he
1: splashed some talent Uh, I have him on a dynasty team, and I I do remember yelling at the TV when he dropped that Hail Mary that was right in the old breadbasket. But (laughs) he seemed to have a down year this year, but I could see the Bills at least kicking the tires on bringing him in, knowing he's still young and he's had some success in this league.
3: Yeah, um, I would probably bet – I think Aaron's going to agree. I think he's gone. I think he's going to hit the free agent market. Yeah. I liked him. Hard worker. He won that uh, that wide receiver job his rookie year, beat out Anthony Miller. Um, that was a big positive. Kind of took advantage when Allen Robinson was struggling a little bit. Um, but for whatever reason, I think it was the last two years in our Justin Fields, like they all we heard, and Aaron can attest to this, was they're like best friends. The chemistry is through the roof. They've been in the building till 1 a.m., they've been getting there early, working together, and it just kind of never materialize. And I just don't know if they ever got on the same page. I don't want to blame one or the other um, because I do think, you know, and Aaron can probably talk more of this. I I do think you can pick games and moments where they weren't on the same page and it was somewhere Mooney's fault and somewhere Fields fault. So Mm -hmm. I think it's just for him, I think it's going to be a change of scenery. He's probably the best.
2: I'm I'm right there too. I, I think here's the thing, man, like, and it's crazy because when Ryan Poles came in as GM two years ago, I think a lot of people would have labeled him, labeled Darnell Mooney as like one of the building blocks of this team, Mm -hmm. and and I don't know. I think it's a combination of two things, right? Because I think in in 2022, I think they made a massive mistake by just saying, "All right, Darnell Mooney's our number one receiver. We're gonna have Byron Pringles our number two, and I God, I can't even remember who was three. I think they were counting on like Bayless Jones Jr. to be three. It was a disaster. (laughs) And Mooney." he just wasn't a one and it's like, okay, so you accept that they get DJ more this off season. You're thinking, okay, cool. He's good to go. But he had that injury at the end of 2022 with the ankle. And frankly, man, I, I think a lot of the time there were flashes where he looked like the same player, but in terms of overall, I just didn't, he just didn't look like the same guy. He didn't have the same hmm. burst. He didn't have the same speed. The route running wasn't there. Um, like Zach pointed out his, he was just, it was weird. Him and fields were constantly off, constantly off. And, and I think one of the big things is, but and, Darnell Mooney, by all accounts, is a great dude, uh, and I think he could still be a pretty dang good football player. I think he's more of you know probably a two, maybe a three at this point. Um, but it I just, man, he has a tendency of not making plays in pretty big moments. And Zach, you know that with a, you know with the Washington goal line thing uh, last year on Thursday Night Football, uh, the Hail Mary. Not an easy catch, but he's just not one of those guys where you see a play happen and you're like, okay, that guy's going to make a play. And I right. think a lot of Bears fans kind of underrated that until they got DJ Moore, and you see DJ Moore make these plays like, oh, this is what a number one receiver looks like. So I think in the right context, in in the right offense, which you know the Bills would be that. I think Kansas City is another one, just because Matt Nagy was a huge integral part of why they drafted him and why he played as much as as much as he did. But I do think he's going to end up having to sign like a one year deal and kind of rebuild that value. And I think he can do it, but I don't think it's going to be in Chicago.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's super nice guy, too. I mean, he's he's a great kid. Like, I've got to interact with him multiple times. And wherever he goes, if he's still in Chicago, I mean, I'll, I'll wish him well. But yeah, he, I mean, he could be a fit in Buffalo. I'd, I'd say what Aaron said, though. Like, Kansas City's probably. I mean, yeah. watched some of those wide receivers there and I'm like, man, they could definitely upgrade him. Oh, yeah. A lot of those Mooney guys.
1: makes sense there. Gabe Davis makes sense there. I mean, yeah. there's some guys that. I think the Chiefs are going to be in on based on their season this year.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I was high on Cleo um, Shakir coming out. And oh, yeah. The When the Bears traded that pick to Buffalo, I it's like, yep, they're going to take him. And that's the exact <laughs> pick they went. And I was like, man, this kid would have fit perfect. Right. But, you know, I I still root for him. Um, but I I, I got to ask you one more thing. It won't be a Bills podcast, Bears podcast. I think I know the answer to it because I was looking at your Twitter account what is your wing spot in Buffalo? Is it bar bill? Is it anchor? Is it wing nuts? Any other place? It's it's
1: definitely wing nuts. You know, we, we do our podcast, a live show there once every month, but uh, the wings are legit. They are unbelievable. And now they're expanding that menu. I mean, beef on whack pizza and uh, now the chicken sandwiches, you name it. They, they have the best, the best bar bar bill. You can't go wrong if you're coming to Buffalo either, but wing nuts is definitely my spot.
3: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I've been to Barbell. I have family there, so I visit often. But um, I, I'm always looking for new places to try. So I, I'll take a take you up on Wing Nuts and, uh, yeah. Um, thanks so much, from Ryan, for joining yeah. us. Um, where can everyone follow you on uh, what X, Twitter, whatever? The heck
2: yeah, call it? it's still Twitter. It's Twitter. still Twitter.
1: <laughs> you can find me at Ryan Talbot Bills on there, and you know, let me know when you're in the area. Maybe yeah. if we're having a live show or something. Bring you on in, let you have, try some of that outstanding food. Hey,
3: I will not turn that down at all. I love the wings there. So
4: we don't have anything close to it here. So, <laughs> Thanks so much, Ben. Again, appreciate it.
1: You got to Have a good one, guys.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.